Wheeler here with Christine Bentley, and you are listening to What She Said right here on 105.9 The Region. Thank you very much for tuning in. We are kicking off today's show talking to Gretchen Drummy. She's the editor-in-chief of Advocate PR. It's a national PR firm serving hundreds of lawyers and legal supplier businesses across Canada. Now, the former editor of The Law Times has created a smarter way for lawyers to raise their profiles online and generate new business, and apparently this is also of great benefit to people who are looking for a lawyer. So she's going to explain all of that to us. Now, hair color is a staple and not an accessory these days. Mm. And we are going to chat with Aveda Global Master Anna Karzis about what's new in the world of hair color. And she has some great tips that she's going to share with us as well. The Library of Congress has added 25 treasures to their National Recording Registry which I didn't know existed. Me neither. And musicologist Eric Alper is going to tell us his top five favorites in On the Record. And we have travel expert Candace Derricks from lifeinpleasantville.com who's chatting Holland. Geithorn, is it Grave? Grave and Willemstad. She will correct us. I'm sure she will. I'm sure. She better. (laughs) We're also going to be joined by HR professional Nicole Gallus. She's the driving force behind foodgrads.com. That's a website helping to close the gap between recent graduates and the food and beverage industry. And in our live studio sessions, we have multi-award winning recording artist Carlos Morgan, who is going to perform his new single, I love this, Have a Little Faith. And we are going to take a quick break. Be sure to check out WhatYouSaidTalk.com, where you can find links to all our social media channels, download our free Apple podcast, watch videos, enter contests, and so much more. So much more, Alex. So much more. We will be right back here on 105.9 The Region. Don't go away. Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Joining us now is Gretchen Drummy, the former editor of Law Times, who is now managing director and editor-in-chief of Advocate PR, a national public relations firm serving hundreds of lawyers and legal supplier businesses across Canada, which she says is a smart way for lawyers and industry suppliers to raise their profiles online and generate new business for them. But it's also of great benefit to people looking for a lawyer. Welcome to what she said. Well, thanks, ladies. I really enjoy coming on your show and talking about increasing the profile for lawyers and their businesses online. Well, you know, we've got to say that Advocate PR's one-of-a-kind system is actually quite ingenious because the way it works is that you feature your members as the sources in news releases written by experienced journalists, publish them on your newswire, advocatedaily.com, mm-hmm. and send them out to your curated network of those who would refer or hire them, right? Correct. But that's just part one of our process. But what it is is referrals via our network. And so since you have your own newswire, AdvocateDaily.com, that means that unlike traditional PR companies, you don't have to rely on the media at large to run the releases. You can literally guarantee that they'll appear and be seen by those who are targeted to refer or hire them. That's right. And then there's part two, which is third-party validation on the other end. Okay, so that means then that once someone has the name of one of your members, they check them out online where they find the releases featuring them as authoritative news sources, talking specifically about the subjects that will impress the the reader as the one for them to hire. That's you, right. So how does that work? So put, putting it really short, we write news releases featuring our lawyers as sources. Mm-hmm. It goes on the, on the newswire. Then it goes on to our network. It goes out on a regular basis and into our feeds, and it's curated for each practice area mm-hmm. and each client that they would appeal to 
probably lawyers reading it and then they refer. But once prospective client gets the name, what do they do next? It's not the 90s where they would just phone directly with a referral. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter where the referrals come from. They can still use their usual process that they do. But what happens once somebody has that name? Well, they go online and they Mm -hmm. Google. And so once they go to somebody's website, they need to find something that validates them more than just Mr. Lawyer is a good guy. Mm -hmm. And this is third party content, which is fancy way of saying news style. So Mm -hmm. it's neutral, but it's written in a way that people are used to reading about lawyers and thereby finding them as authoritative and validating them as the guide. Who wants to do it? Well, the key seems to be, from what I understand then, that it's all real and not so-called fake news or obvious advertorial, what they're seeing. It's got a lot to do with the way the journalists interview your members and the writing style too, doesn't it? Absolutely. So what we do is when we start out with somebody, we ask them point blank, who do you want to hire you? Because these days, lawyers are all within silos, within silos, even within their practice area. So not every criminal lawyer, for example, is going to be able to even handle a murder trial, much less want to do one. But how does somebody who's charged with a serious matter like that know who the guy is out there who can handle it? Mm -hmm. They may be given a name, but that doesn't mean that the person who gave them the name knows that this guy can actually handle a murder trial and appear before a jury. Mm -hmm. So we develop a plan where on a regular basis, these news stories feature this person talking about issues pertaining to murder cases. And then we write them in our ordinary news style way that doesn't big them up, doesn't violate any of the law society rules, which are very, very strict on Mm -hmm. marketing. And we put it out there in such a way that it's a comfortable way for them to market themselves, but also for consumers to understand where this person's coming from. Okay, so we all know that lawyers use the media to market themselves. I mean, like, that would really be the only reason they're ever in the news, right? Okay. Except I'm not sure that the lawyers realize the trick is that you have to be in the news regularly over and over for years for it to work. And, And the media tends to go to sources that they know. That's right. There's a there's a perception that one mention in a newspaper and the floodgates will open forever and ever till the end of time. And if that were only mm-hmm. true, true, then it would really... <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that was also, that was then, this is now. The problem with marketing yourself in PR in the news is that there are paywalls. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you can say whatever you want in the media, but if people can't see it, it's really of no benefit. Yeah, absolutely. The other problem with that is online. When someone Googles you, they may see that link, but then they can't get to it. So you've created a roadblock. Between paywalls and newsroom cutbacks, like explain exactly how a paywall works, because the, the, uh, it's what the people that only have subscriptions see it in the first place. So if you're trying to find somebody online and look for a newspaper article and you don't subscribe to that, you're not going to see it, right? So the problem with paywalls, which is another way of saying subscriber news webs, Mm -hmm. news sites, is quite simple, that people who are not subscribers can't read what is said. Mm -hmm. So if you're using the media to market yourself, you're kind of hitting Mm -hmm. a wall. (laughs) And that wall is going to frustrate people, not impress them. So what we do is we actually literally get around that. We have new style content out there, open to the public, google Google for people to access. But more importantly, right in the beginning, it is the kind of information that's going to attract precisely the person that the lawyer wants to hire them. So why does a lawyer really have to market themselves in the first place? Well, these days it's all about branding, you know, Mm -hmm. that word branding, and especially online. Why would a certain soda company be continually putting out advertising and cute little bears and things just to get you to drink their stuff if they didn't have to? Why is it different for a law firm? I think a law firm should think of themselves as a business and that they should market themselves. It's not like their clients are psychic and they're going to know, oh, yes, I should hire mm-hmm. Mr. Lawyer down the street who I've never heard of. It just comes into their head. It doesn't work that way. And If you're not online with authoritative information these days, people kind of look at you with some suspicion. It's not good anymore. Mm -hmm. Like the Internet is evolving, and so you have to keep up with the times. Well, speaking about the Internet, uh, lawyers write, so I guess some might feel that they could just blog. 
though as journalists, we all know how time-consuming that is, both creating it, coming up with ideas all the time, and not all lawyers can write in a way that is easy for the average person to understand. Reading, I can tell you from experience after reading some myself. (laughs) You're right, Christine. The, The trap with blogging on your own is without a network, you're kind of a tree in the woods falling and no one sees it. Yeah. It's not as if people get up in the morning, and this is all due respect to lawyers and their writing. They're all very good at it in a certain way. They use their own style of writing that may not penetrate the brain mm-hmm. the way we're trained how to write. But the problem is that it's not like somebody's going to get up in the morning with their coffee and run to their computer and go www.lawyer <laughs> and check out somebody's blog right. <laughs> every day. Getting traffic, as you guys know is really hard Mm -hmm. online. Mm -hmm. And so why would a lawyer depend on just that to get business? I mean, okay, it's great when somebody checks them out to to see them, but it's still only them talking out of their voice. It's usually better to also have a mixture of third-party content. But at the same time, if you put it on a platform with us, it's all on our network for all of these new people to see what you've written. And AdvocateDaily.com is somewhere where people go to check out what's happening in, in the legal community. So it really extends extends the reach. So what is another issue with blogging? Like I said, the blogging is great. But if you're just putting it on your own social media, then think about it. Who's seeing it? It's like putting yourself in a pen with all the people who already know you're a good lawyer And you're telling them over and over again, you know, I'm really good at this. What about if they blogged and put it on their LinkedIn and on Twitter? Well, it's the same thing. So that network is people that you know, and they already know you're a good lawyer. The the, the lawyers um, will sometimes also put news stories about things that they like, or they'll put out, uh, you know, yay me, I won Mm -hmm. this case. So that makes perfect sense to me because there's no way that I would go on Twitter or LinkedIn and hire a lawyer because of a blog. If I saw their name in a story where they were a source, where they were making a legal commentary, then I would figure that they were legit because anybody can go and write a blog and go on Twitter. And what does that mean? Nothing. Well, that's right. The problem is they haven't got the time or really the the background to develop a following the way we've done because we're all journalists. And that's the key here. We've spent years building this following. So, you know, I'm encouraged to see that lawyers are using LinkedIn and they'll say, you know, here's a case. But if you really think about it, what is it really getting you? Because that's a closed network. They're your people. Mm -hmm. And so they... You're only telling people who already think you're great. And so how's that getting you business? It has to be extended. You mentioned marketing. On the subject of that, I understand lawyers are getting involved in SEO instead of sort of pure marketing. But isn't that sort of five years ago? Yes. There's nothing wrong with SEO. It's important to your your business plan. But let's just look at it this way. There's only seven spots on the front page for the free rankings. Those spots have been locked down years ago, Mm -hmm. just by virtue of the fact that it doesn't matter how those guys got there. They're already there and they get the traffic. So it's kind of chicken and egg. You're going to spend a lot of money trying to beat that now. They've just got it locked down. Okay, so one final point. Doesn't this all take a lot of time? No, we do all the heavy lifting. It's no different than being interviewed by any reporter who calls you, they want to get in and they want to get out. If a call, an interview is longer than 15 minutes, you're chatting. Mm-hmm. All of our writers are professional journalists. Most of them are freelancers now who also work for other media outlets. And uh, they don't have any interest in doing anything other than getting your information and writing it accurately. And then we put it out for you. So the bottom line is doing it your way, being pushed out regularly over time results in referrals. But also on the other end, for people who are checking a lawyer out online, they'll find the posts that are written in a style that's targeting the very people they want to hire them. So it's really a win-win. Yes, you've got it. Sounds like a plan. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much for explaining us. And again, tell us what the website is. www.advocatedaily.com. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. 
Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good-to-grow high-interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. This is 105.9 The Region. Painted ladies and a bottle of wine, mama. Ooh, feeling good, mama. Well, there was a time long ago when dyed hair looked dyed. It was exactly the same on top, underneath, and often greys turned into a... Lovely bluish hue. We're not sure if any of this prompted our next guest to change the landscape forever, but change it she did. Anna Karzis, welcome to What She Said. Hi. Hi. Such a pleasure. (laughs) Now, what some of our listeners may not know is that you are an Aveda global master, (laughs) an international reputation. You're known everywhere as a pioneer. What does that mean, an Aveda global master, and how did it come to be? From the beginning, I think it. I was bestowed an honor years ago, about 25 years ago, to help them create a color line uh, for consumers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they honored us with a global master. I don't know if I am a master or global. <laughs> I, I, I sure know how to color hair. But uh, yeah, Aveda, uh, about 25 years ago, it was quite a unique thing because nobody else was doing a hair color line that was based from plants and mm-hmm. real pigments and natural hair color. Other than henna, which was big. That's right. Henna, yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. In and universe? it used to burn my hands, yeah. actually, henna. Really? So when you think about it, there's a lot. there was a lot of people that were uh, allergic to hennas. I couldn't touch it mm-hmm. uh, back in the day in 1979, 1980. Wow. So were you five years old saying... I can't stand grandma's blue hair. I'm going to do something about this one day. How did this happen that you got into this? You know what, Christine? It's a very funny story. My mom and I were talking this morning and, you know, I said, I mean, I'm going on to my 38th year in hair color. Of course, I started when I was five. But uh, she said to me. No, I think you were four. I'll take four. (laughs) But she said to me, you know, I always knew that you were going to become my hair colorist because every time she had bought me a doll, I would go into the bathroom and take back then, you know, the the frosty nail polishes? And -hmm. I would literally paint my doll's hair. And like, eh, so one doll after the other, and she goes, that's where it all started from. I had no idea about uh, I would become a hair hair colorist. I wanted to become a doctor. Well, you're a doctor of hair. Yeah, of course. (laughs) So tell us, what, what, what do you remember? As far back as you can remember, what's your... Worst memory of what colored hair looked like then, because it's very much changed. Oh, my goodness. I think kids today have it so much easier. Back in the day, I remember our product was so debilitating. And I remember caps and pulling out hair, oh, yeah. a highlighted cap. You know, you look oh, like tight a... tight little, almost like a swim cap right? with a lovely rubber thing. And yes. then the crochet hooks pulling That's the hair right. out. That's right. Being there, done that. But as an assistant, nobody knew that as you were pulling out the rubber cap, half of the hair would come out with the rubber cap. And you had to kind of keep it on a low key and not have on the, the On the down low. <laughs> yeah. No, so... That was extremely scary for me. And I remember thinking to myself, about 15, 16 years old, there's got to be another way. But not only that, color was one, it was sort of black. Yes. Dark brown. 
light brown blonde. Yes. I mean, there was peroxide no... Peroxide blonde. And, yes. And then there yeah. was peroxide blonde, and yeah. then there was, you know... Yeah. But there was very little in between, and it, it looked unnatural. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think... If I go back 38 years, my job back then was always trying to create something that was, today I understand it as being customized, but back then I didn't know that. So I would play around with what products I had, Uh, but it was easy back then. You know, you, you knew the color, you'd pick a seven and you'd put a seven on everybody. Right. But today... It's far more of an artistic approach. So what are you uh, trying to achieve with your clientele? How do you work with them? Uh, my clients are uh, – I have wonderful relationships with people. I, I don't think I could do people's hair just as a, per se a client. I have to know something about them and knowing their their what their personality is or what they do for a living – that relationship is built and then you built on trust and you see people in a holistic way. And what I mean by that is you see the whole person. So my clients have always been used to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looking at them and going, okay, well, 10 years ago we had this. Where are we today? And your hair, especially hair color, should follow along. Mm-hmm. I've always wondered as an artist, you people walk in and I'm sure you look at them and say – this is what I see for Kate or for Christine, let's say. Yes. Meanwhile, Christine sees something else and Kate sees something else. Yes. How do you bridge that, that gap? By listening to that individual. This is a major one problem that we have in our industry. People don't listen to your needs. Um, and we bridge it by making suggestions, showing them visuals. And I don't mean those color charts. I mean visuals. Let's say a a person comes in and they've always wanted red hair. Well, my red and Kate's red or your red, Christine, are totally different. Which is funny that you say that because this is the problem I have. I talk about I want bronze, copper, fall leaf kind of highlights Mm -hmm. and I end up with blonde highlights. Mm -hmm. So somebody's color of copper is different than what I think is copper. So I I always bring in a photograph and I say this. Is that a good thing to do? I encourage people to bring in photographs. I've even had a client a couple of weeks ago that brought in her uh, dog picture. (laughs) (laughs) She wanted her hair to match the dog. Perfect color, right? It was great. I thought, okay, I get it. But if there's not a visual communication, forget the verbal. You have to you have to have that, you know, when you're consulting with that individual, have them point out what kind of ready brown mm-hmm. fall color do you like? Even if it's a piece of wood, it's going to give the stylist an idea of what your likes are and then have them pick something that they don't want. Mm-hmm. And so there is where the bridging comes in. So after all your years, what are the most common color mistakes that people let themselves either make or let themselves be talked into? Because I remember a day when you went in and you didn't say a word. The colorist just told you what you were going to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and very often the cut, too. Yeah. I, I've never I've never, You've never worked been, that way. No. No. I really feel, again, going back to the relationship. We're dating ourselves here, but... I mean, I worked with a lot of hairdressers that didn't care about that individual and just if perms were in, you all had a perm. Um, but uh, going back to your – Christine see, I had a perm. I see the laughs. No, you, you can see I had it. a perm. It's, 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 it's commemorated for eternity. <laughs> see, this is why they call yeah. it permanent. It's, it's there forever. It's in Madonna's Truth or Dare movie. Yes. It's a very bad perm, right? Yes. I can never get rid of it. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I know. They either go too dark mm-hmm. or their teenage daughter wants them to have a balayage or nombre, which is a... A very trendy I, thing. I don't like that look. It always looks to me like the roots have, have grown, grown out. And grown that's the out. idea. My, Why are you coloring your hair? I always I say the same thing. But, I mean, that's, you know, younger people really love that. And I'll, I love doing it. But when you look at a woman and you look at their lifestyle, any color on their head should have dimension. 
Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a redhead, a brunette. There, there should be dimension. You have to have movement. Mm-hmm. And that's a big mistake that is made today that we put this one color on everybody and from the root to the end and, you know, we lo- all look alike. So let's let's get to the most important question. Um, how can people connect with you? And how long are you booked up for? <laughs> <laughs> I am always, always willing and able to see new people. Uh, I think that would be a complete suicide if you say, no, I don't take any new clients. Mm-hmm. Um, they can connect with me. I, I've uh, joined a, a wonderful new venture in a partnership with uh, Kearns & Co. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Jason Kearns, who has uh, been a mentor of mine for as long as I can remember. Um, and the group of people I'm working with are just as committed in what they do on a day-to-day basis as I am. And uh, I love, love, love meeting new people and, and you know, keeping your pulse on what the average woman wants. Mm-hmm. So all they have to do is find Kearns & Co., yeah. call the number, yeah. and make an appointment with you. Come on in for a consultation. Consultations are free, and off we go. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining <laughs> thank us you, today. Thank you, ladies. It's been, it's been fun. Thanks yeah. so much. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit KearnsandCo.com. This is 105.9 The Region. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. It's time now for On the Record with our favorite musicologist. Is he not our only musicologist? (laughs) Ooh, shade. (laughs) Debuting at number one on the top one chart. Are you not the only musicologist? You know what? It's funny when you use that word because I'm waiting for my old university, York University, to come to me and say, you know, you didn't graduate with musicology, you know. And so, but it's one of those words that I think people can get away with sure why not you could teach a phd i could teach a, a i could teach a class on it but anyway, we're doing little small lessons in this segment yeah. so that's kind of so cool the library of congress which we didn't know at recently added 25 treasures to their national recording registry which i never knew existed and eric you're going to tell us your top five favorites yeah absolutely so a lot of people don't know this, but um, it's one of the few things that Donald Trump hasn't eradicated. But the National Recording Preservation Act of 2000 is tasked with the selection of 25 songs every single year that are culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant. And they now have 500 songs in their registry, and these are five of them. And that was the ink spots, If I Didn't Care. And back in 1939, the songwriter Jack Lawrence brought this song to the bands, and the, they weren't really so keen on recording yet. They didn't really care for the song, which is kind of funny considering the fact that the song is called If I Didn't Care. <laughs> but they did record it. It became one of the best-selling singles in history, eventually selling over 19 million copies worldwide. Daylight come and be one. Go home. Come, Mr. Tallyman, tally me banana. Daylight come and be one. Go home. Live six foot, seven foot, eight foot bunch. Daylight come and be one. 
Everybody knows the banana boat song. Deo. Deo. That's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for somebody else to say that. Now everybody in their car is doing that. That's <laughs> Harry Belafonte, of course, with Banana Boat, Deo. What's cool about this record is that it's from an album called Calypso. And there weren't a lot of Calypso songs on the album. Back then when those when the album was recorded, the album concept was really only for adults. But The Banana Boat Dale was released as a single, which brought Harry into an entire new audience of teenagers. And that's why Banana Boat Dale was popular for both teenagers and for adults at the same time. You got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to walk away, and know when to run. And who doesn't know this one? Well, you got to know when to hold them and you got to know when to fold them. And that song by Kenny Rogers called The Gambler wasn't written by Kenny Rogers. It was actually written by a guy named Don Schlitz, who was a night shift computer operator in Nashville back in 1976. He gave the song first to Bobby Bear, who recorded it, and it stipped. And then it was recorded by Johnny Cash, who didn't have any success with it. And it wasn't until Kenny Rogers hit the jackpot with The Gambler, the centerpiece of the album and the movie of the same name. High on a hill It calls to me Okay, my grandmother's favorite song of all time. Really? Absolutely. That's so cool. That's Tony Bennett. I left my heart in San Francisco. Has she ever gone to San Francisco? Did she, she ever go? I know. I don't think she did. You should find out. Um, but it's a little um, hard now to find out, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's our next segment. Sounds is with people with dead people's favorite songs ever. Um, I left my heart in San Francisco was originally not even a single. It wasn't even a focus track. It was actually the B side of another song that Tony recorded for his labels. But DJs across the country. Country, flipped over the 45 and said, this is a much better song. And it was one of the most popular songs of all time and certainly Tony Bennett's signature song. In fact, the Bay Area chose that song, of course, as the official national anthem for the city. And of course, this one everybody knows. Everybody knows. Everybody knows Footloose. It's one of those songs that if you're the ages of 8 to 85, you probably know this song. It's taken from the 1984 movie of the same name. And it wasn't just one of the biggest film hits of the decade, but one of Kenny Loggins' biggest hits ever, considering the fact that he had a huge, long, successful career um, with uh, Jim Messina at the duo, then also uh, recording a number of film soundtracks. And it still keeps selling because not only is it still played on the radio but it was a broadway musical and the big screen remake back in 2011 brought footloose back to a whole new audience so eric who decides like who picks what goes in to the library you do i do i'm the only one that's why i'm number one i'm number one um (laughs) no it's actually um the national recording preservation board is made up of about a dozen members and they go through songs and albums um every single year and they pick so it's not a public voting um along uh, among with those five um glory estefan is in there this year with rhythm is going to get you because of the success of latin music Mm -hmm. and also fleetwood max rumors simply because it's still one of those albums that's classic and timeless so they get to decide and then uh they stick in a library for nobody to see or i'd hear. love to see the list yeah actually if you go to um if you go to the the national recording registry at the library of congress website they list them all with really great bios in there that you can listen and stream and watch the music too excellent as always uh, thank you musicologist eric elfer Connect with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler at WhatSheSaidTalk.com. Let me play among the stars and let me see what spring... Joining us now is our travel expert, Candace Derricks. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you. And if you have never been to Holland and if you have been there but you're not a an absolutely avid Holland fan you will be once you finish <laughs> listening to Candace now, you you were absolutely you fell in love with it I can't stop talking about it 
I literally now you're not going to move there, are you? I, you know, I, everywhere I travel, I often try to say, like I say, could I live here? I mm-hmm. legitimately ask myself that question. Holland was, I could live there. It's so, I mean, it, well, the Dutch, for example, are so meticulous with everything they do. Their homes are perfect. Their yards are perfect. It really appeals to the type A in me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they like everything just so. Uh, and you can see it everywhere. I mean, I didn't see anything that was run down. The whole country is perfection. But getting there, um, I have to say KLM was amazing. Really? Yeah. Uh, I really loved KLM. Uh, but what I... What a lot of people don't know in Ottawa, for Ottawa listeners, is uh, KLM doesn't fly out of Ottawa International. They fly out of Montreal. But when you book on KLM, you actually get the bus from the train station in Ottawa that takes you to Montreal. So when you're, once you're on that bus, you're considered on the, the plane. So if you're delayed, the plane's not taking off without you. Ah, oh. So it's a good if you're traveling in the winter. Yeah, I would say. yeah. It's, a, it's an absolutely fabulous service. Um, I would highly recommend that for people in Ottawa to just book through KLM and, you know, you don't have to pay for parking in Montreal. You don't have to pay for a hotel in Montreal. Uh, so it's it was great. We went as a family of five. So we brought my 24-year-old son, 14 and 12-year-old daughters. Uh, so we booked through Airbnb. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we got, we were able to stay for two weeks for five people for $2,000. And the pictures I saw of your Airbnb were so cute. Oh. Well, we ended up staying in these two little towns. So the first town we stayed in was Leech, Leech and Dam. Uh, and I apologize to, for massacring the language. <laughs> <laughs> Leech and Dam uh, was the first little town we stayed in, which was just outside of The Hague. Uh, and just, there's so much history everywhere you go in Holland, but... Uh, but this little town itself dates back more than 2,000 years. Uh, the Romans were using it. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Unreal. Yeah. So just this little tiny town we were in. And, uh, you know, we could walk to, you know, every little town was we found was we loved, you know, you could walk to a bakery, a butcher, uh, a flower shop, chocolate shop. It was just, it was great. Did she say chocolate? Yes, she did. <laughs> I told you. I'm, I'm still upset that she didn't take us. Oh, I believe me, though. I, I'm paying for it now. Uh, I totally overdid it on the chocolate. Uh, so, and then the second town we stayed in was this little town called Grove. And uh, I don't even know if there's actually a hotel there. I, we wouldn't have found it except for the Airbnb. But it was, um, again, totally charming about you know, 12,000 people, cobblestone streets, Aww. really old buildings, and not a single chain restaurant or brand to be found anywhere. So all the shops were local, all the restaurants were local, and the people were so welcoming, although they were totally curious why we were there. We, did, we seriously <laughs> got asked that, like, well, why are you here? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> because why did you pick Rob? Uh, but we actually, we loved our time there. It was uh, it was amazing. And I, I'm pretty sure um, that it's actually a stop on the River Cruise, mm. the River Cruises. Um, I just want to say, too, though, that Holland.com has um, holiday homes for families that are traveling, uh, bigger families. Because mm-hmm. it's, once you're with five it's really hard to get mm-hmm. a hotel room. Yeah. So the holiday homes can be booked through holland.com and that's another option for families that are going, mm-hmm. larger families and, and that want space outside of a hotel room as well. You're looking yeah. for something a little bigger, right? Um, so I have a funny story to share with you about Giethoorn. I don't know if you've ever heard of Giethoorn. It's called the Venice of Holland and it was a bucket list destination for me. I said, if there's nothing else we do in Holland, we are going to Giethoorn. So we got there, we got our little boat to go through the canal, we get out a little bo- a bit, and our boat's taking on water. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's going, sure, Mom, this is on you, oh, yeah. <laughs> No life jackets on the boat. Uh, bad on us for not checking. No life jackets. Nothing to bail with. We were going through my daughter's backpack to find things, and we found a Ziploc bag. So for two hours, we were <laughs> bailing with a Whoa. Ziploc bag. To get back to where we started. Oh. So I want to do over on Keithorn. As I'm telling you, that has to happen. Uh, but it's beautiful, and I would highly recommend people go. Just make sure your boat doesn't take on water. <laughs> oh, my God. So the highlight of, of the trip between The Hague and Amsterdam? Oh, highlight? Oh, uh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I really liked Willemstad, which is about a population of, I think, 2,000. Uh, just this picturesque, 
um, little uh, town. If you go on my Instagram, you'll see uh, one of the big windmills uh, that we uh, that was there that somebody's actually bought and converted into a home. Uh, but there was everywhere you went in that town was just uh, picturesque. It was beyond beautiful. Well, that's great because yeah. now there are, I don't know how many thousand people adding this to their bucket list, Candace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Geethorn and Wilmstead were really cute. And, you know, everything is so close. So rent a car. So the second week of the trip, we rented a car and just traveled all over and saw these like great little places. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank Where you. can people connect with you again? Uh, lifeinpleasantville.com. And uh, for more information on if they're planning a trip, they can go to holland.com. And we'll chat with you in a few weeks. Thank you. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good to grow high interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half-calf, half-sweet, no-foam latte with whip. <sighs> Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. Yay! And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. This is 105.9 The Region. What she said. She's powerful, wonderful, honest and lovable. Now back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Welcome back. A new website is trying to close the gap between recent graduates and the food and beverage industry. Joining us now is Nicole Gallus, the driving force behind foodgrads.com. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you're an HR professional, and you saw the need to create a focus platform after speaking with various food industry professionals. Tell us what you kept hearing that inspired this. So, um... I would be talking to students and grads and um, they would say, I can't get a job, number one. And then on the flip side, on the employer side, I would hear time and time again that, um, you know, there aren't enough students, there aren't enough grads um, coming into the industry. So I definitely thought there's a there's a huge gap here that needs to be filled. Um, you know, whether it's a communication thing or whether the students are coming out of school with the right uh, qualifications and skills, there's a there's a big gap. I started Free Grads a year and a half ago to try and uh, fill that gap and hope that my 10 years previously in, um, in recruitment and all the connections I've made and, and great people in the industry would sort of collaborate and help me uh, support students and grads. So, uh, Nicole, tell me, where is the lack of qualified people from the, from the hiring end? What are so, they saying that they can't find? I think the biggest thing, the biggest um, missing ingredient, no pun, <laughs> mm. is, um, is the experience part. So students and grads are coming out, grads are coming out with a degree, for example, in food science. And for a lot of small and medium companies, um, knowing that 96% of food companies in the Toronto area are under 100 people, uh, under 100 employees, um, they need people that can hit the floor running. Um, you know, you, if you come out with just your degree and no hands-on industry experience, it's very challenging for a small organization, you know, for, for a startup or a small business who um, the plant manager is the general manager, is the HR manager, you know, they're wearing many, many hats and they can't necessarily handhold and train. So they need new grads that can come into the, to the company that can sort of hit the floor running, so to speak. And I'm not sure that gap is being filled. I, I think the onus is on 
the food industry itself to provide more co-op opportunities and internships and whether mm-hmm. it's volunteer, you know, to provide more opportunities to, to get this important uh, you know, hands-on, relevant industry experience. Well, for those of us who aren't in the business, you're talking about food science. Yeah. What does that mean? Is that a uh, a chef? Yeah. Is that somebody who's running the logistics? <laughs> is what? What? So who is that? Person? Exactly. You're, the the point um, again. Another reason for starting food grads is people don't know. Um, when kids think about a career in the food industry, they think of chef. And I think the Celebrity Chefs Food Network have done mm-hmm. a fantastic job of making that look like an amazing career, which it is. Um, but there's so many more opportunities, career paths in the food and beverage industry. Um, food scientists, engineers. What does food scientists do? So they're the folks that uh, formulate. I mean, I'm not a food scientist, so no. <laughs> I'm going to um, try but my best. Generally here, speaking. Yeah, right? they, uh, they're the folks in a lab um, or on. Uh, they, oh. they basically... Um, so what a chef makes, they will take that recipe and create um, a product so that it can be made into scaled. mass scales. Yes. Yeah, so that it's... Um, what about an engineer? So a food engineer, um, there's a ton of different opportunities. Um, chemical engineers, industrial engineers, you know, um, there's so many different facets within the food and beverage industry where somebody with an engineering background, uh, a science background, marketers... HR people, the industry needs all these different um, people with with those interests, but people don't generally think of food. It's not sexy, you know, they think well, of... But, but it's the, sexy to eat because yes. we have all these foodies. <laughs> I mean, when I was younger, we weren't exactly foodies, but now there's a whole culture of foodies, people who want to go out and eat and Absolutely. try something new, people who want things delivered, people who want you know, farm to table. I mean, food is huge. Yeah. Is it not? I think the millennial generation and, and the, the, the folks coming up behind that, they've done an amazing job of putting a spotlight on the industry itself, like transparency, mm-hmm. labeling, you know, they want to know um, where their food's coming from, um, mm-hmm. what's in it, um, which is fantastic. My goal and my intention is to take those wonderful foodies, that those creative minds and um, energy and, and, and brilliance and bring it into the industry. I think the people that grow, make and sell the food that we eat, they're the game changers. They're the ones yep. that are going to make the difference. We can't just sort of sit back and say, well, change, you know, big food, change what you're doing. It's the folks that are working in those companies that really have the power to, to change it. So I'm trying to attract more young, <laughs> young, bright, wonderful people to do that. So a year and a half in, uh, what does foodgrads.com exactly do and what has the response been from people from users. From users. So um, students and grads sign up for free. Yeah. Um, the long-term intention is it for almost to become a bit of a, a LinkedIn for food and beverage ah. specifically, mm-hmm. um, you know, to offer uh, mentorship, training, um, skill development, um, an opportunity to gather. And, and what's been amazing with the blog is just to give a voice to the young people in the industry, um, well, certainly that are still um, trying to break into the industry. So, um, you know, students and grads right now, why do you like your course? Why, do you, why are you getting into the food and beverage industry? And they're the most passionate people. And I think their voice, their story will attract other young people. I mean, people listen to their peers. So, um, Ultimately, they're going to be the people that are going to attract more into the industry. And um, on the flip side, I mean, Guelph University just did a, a study for every um, four jobs in agri-food. There's only one grad um, coming out with the right qualifications. So there's definitely an opportunity to join an industry where you can stay for life. I mean, food is pretty recession proof. It, it doesn't go away. Everyone eats, yes, right? Yes, I know. Is that one of the reasons or what are the other reasons you would recommend this industry to somebody? I just think, it, like, to your point, it's it's a wonderful industry. I mean, when I first started, when I moved to, to Canada from the UK, um, I've been in recruitment for a long time, and I had the a choice of working at any industry in recruitment, and I chose food because of the people. Um, maybe, again, because I'm from the UK, but I found them really down to earth. There was no airs and graces, you know. It was, it, they're nurturers. They want to feed people, ultimately. So they were just the nicest people to work with um, from my perspective as a recruiter. So, you know, I think it's an industry where... Where you you know young people could look at it and say I can make a difference in the world whether it's packaging and and changing um, 
packaging to to serve the environment you know less packaging in our oceans um whether it's activism you know you you um care about animals and that's your entry point there are so many different entry points into into the food industry something that you care passionately about that you mm-hmm. can bring to the industry and as a career path so graduates of all fields can use the resources to get training and make the connections to enter the industry. Tell us uh, what steps they need to take when they first go on the site. So it's really user-friendly. Um, you basically set up a, a profile like mm-hmm. you would with LinkedIn or Facebook or any mm-hmm. of the other um, social platforms. Um, add your resume, build your resume within the system. Um, we've tried to make it a little bit more user-friendly for students and grads because while mm-hmm. LinkedIn is amazing and I use it every day, um, it wasn't designed for students and grads. And so I think um, we've definitely tried to develop a site that um, appeals more to, to them, you know, enables them to showcase their skills and experience. I mean, it's very hard to go on LinkedIn and it says, you know, what are your skills? Well, you're a new grad, you know, it's hard, right? <laughs> yeah. It's really difficult. And so, um, again, through the platform, through foodgrads.com, I want to encourage students and grads to work with me as well. I mean, we're we're non-funded. Um, it's a startup. So any help is amazing. And so um, I'm looking at students and grads saying, well, what do you want to do when they come to me? And, and um, you know, whatever their passion is, I've got a few right now, a couple started a YouTube channel for me. Um, another guy actually out of... Uh, the States um, came to me almost a year ago and said, I want to start a podcast. So he started the My Food Job Rocks podcast, which um, he's up to almost 100 episodes and he's done a fantastic job. He just celebrates the people and professions in food and talks to people all different, you know, whether they're a food scientist or a food safety person. And, you know, you get to hear from the horse's mouth how they started, what what they did um, from an education standpoint and, and how they've progressed in their career. Uh, what's next for the site? Next for the site is um, definitely creating um, more resources um, for the students and grads. I mean, ultimately, that is what it's what it's for. Um, on the flip side, we need to get employers involved because without the industry supporting food grads, you know, it's it's going to be very challenging to keep going. As I mentioned, we're non-funded, so we need the support of the food industry as a whole. Um, and they need to sort of look at it as an insurance policy, you know, um, we're busy trying to yep. add to the pipeline to bring more people so that they can fill the roles they'll have. So so for all you businesses out there and all you food grads, foodgrads.com and you can connect with Nicole Gallus. We thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so evening. much. I really appreciate you having me. <laughs> Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler will be right back. To contact the show, go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Escape instantly with Kobo. Discover nearly 6 million ebooks and audiobooks on Kobo.com. Download the free Kobo app and start reading today. It's a world of stories in the palm of your hand. Still being picked on for being picky? Perfect. Meridian's good to grow high interest savings account was made for you. At Meridian, we say be picky. Order that half calf, half sweet, no foam latte with whip. Try on your whole closet until your outfit is outstanding. And accept nothing less than 3% interest for four months when you open your first good-to-grow high-interest savings account. Meridian, expecting more for your money. That's wealth esteem. Terms and conditions apply. Passion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com slash TC or call 416-340-7270. This is 105.9 The Region.
listening to is Have a Little Faith, the new single by multi-award winning recording artist Carlos Morgan. Welcome to What She Said. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. You're a very talented singer, songwriter, producer, and performer, and you wrote this song for anyone currently going through personal struggles. So tell us about that. Uh, I got together with uh, two incredible songwriters, uh, North Easton and Roseanne Baker Thornley, better known as RBT&E, that's their songwriting uh, group. And um, I went to them in 2016 because I was going through some difficult times um, at that time. And I went to them and said, you know, I want to write a song about, you know, have going through personal struggles, which we all do, mm-hmm. um, going through in life. And um, so... I'd, I already had an idea for a song that I wanted to write, but um, North picked up his guitar and uh, started playing some chords, and it just evolved into this song called Have a Little Faith, and uh, from what I shared with him about what I was going through, you know, we just started expressing our feelings about, you know, uh, trials and tribulations that we all go through and expressing that through music, and, um, and then we didn't want to give it a religious connotation as well. Mm-hmm. We wanted to make it something that's more universal so that, all people can relate to. So what was the message? The message is that, you know, when you're going through hard times in life is to find uh, find faith, or whatever your faith is or whatever you call faith, and to love yourself. Um, in loving yourself, finding the faith to uh, overcome whatever trials and tribulations or obstacles you're facing in no. life. Your new album, Where I've Been, Where I'm Going, that's not coming out till September 18th, but mm-hmm. you're a part of the Duet Songbook concert, which is happening at Mills Hardware, 95 King Street East in Hamilton, on Friday, April 20th. So where yes. can people go to get tickets for that? People can purchase tickets at uh, www.ticketfly.com. Ticketfly? Ticketfly.com. Okay. Event 1665337, something like that. You could probably just Google the Duet yeah, Songbook yeah, concert well, and that would that. work too. You could do that I'm too. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, well, I, and that sounds so exciting. So that that's great. And we're certainly going to be looking forward to, to the new album. Um, just late summer and not quite early fall. Um, yes. But thank you so much for joining oh, us today. Such a pleasure being here. Thank you both. And that is it for what she said this weekend. We will be back next Saturday and Sunday at noon right here on 105.9 The Region. Singing us out now in our live studio sessions, here is Carlos Morgan performing Have a Little Faith. In the hardest part of Living through this moment Is the wreckage left behind Yeah, yeah Going round in circles Every second hurts so much There is nowhere left to hide Yeah And all this pain
Takes a little faith to get back up Takes a little heart to let you love yourself inside Yeah, yeah It takes a little time to just let go Open up your eyes and then you know It'll be alright It's gonna be alright If you have a little faith Oh, 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 oh. yeah Have a little faith No matter what you're going through Yeah, have a little faith Oh, 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 oh. Have a little faith Yeah, 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 yeah Have a little faith